Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, this week, I have a, a great interview, a great guest, and today, the release of this actual episode, he released a brand new album called A Perfect Mess. Uh, had Ryan Lamar on the show. He is the creator of Canal Street and uh, some other faith-based works. Uh, So he does film, he does music, uh, a little bit of everything in the creative space. He's got a new single out, which is Relief, and it's got uh, Cannon, No Big Deal, John Gibbs, Byron Juwan, Jack Red, Chris Noel, there's probably like 10 other people. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it, it's an all-star uh, sound, though. And so uh, make sure you check that out. I'll have some links in the description. But, um, but yeah, so uh, Ryan goes down his, his history, going from uh, school to uh, having some success in the film industry to becoming homeless and lost to, to kind of making his way back up to where he is now. And so I appreciated him taking the time to do that. Before we jump into the interview, I do want to thank the patrons, the faithful supporters of this show, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at truestrengthapparel.com. Make sure you go over there and check out his gear. There's also some Solomon's Porch podcast merch over there uh, if you want to rock with that as well. Uh, my favorite thing is a Stay Strong shirt. Uh, that's pretty cool. I really enjoy it, and I, I wear mine uh, quite frequently. Also, Jay Sannon. Uh, he's actually got a, a, a remix to a song somebody out with uh, Brie K Sounds. So make sure you check that out. And also LT Smith. Uh, LT is an artist who uh, he's been rocking with the show for uh, a long time now. He's got an album out called A Work of Heart. Make sure you check that out. Uh, he's got a mouthpiece on there. Adrian Butler. Uh, some um, some some good songs, some good music. Uh, both of those artists have been uh, supporting the show for a while, so make sure you at least go check them out and uh, give them the give them a chance. Give them a chance. Both of them are great. But uh, without further ado, here's the interview with Ryan Lamar. All righty, welcome back to another business with Bordeaux podcast interview. Uh, this week I have with me a, a special guest. He has been involved in film. He's been involved in music. Uh, kind of all over the place with the creative aspect. He has been on Trackstar several times. Uh, he's just coming out with, um, he's been doing some music videos. He's got an album on the way, working on film. Very, 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 very busy guy with me. Uh, today I have with me Mr. Ryan Lamar. How you doing, sir? Um, I'm blessed, man. I'm doing really good, man. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I know even during this, this you know, currently we're in the quarantine phase and all that stuff with COVID, but I know even in that, it's still busy, uh, especially from people in, in in what you do creatively and things like that. So um, so first of all, are you doing okay during this time? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing good. You know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy, you know, um, and I, I can't I can't complain. You know, I have a roof over my head, man. So God, God has been good, you know, and um, I'm just, you know, using this time um, wisely, using this time wisely right now. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad to hear, glad to hear that you're healthy. And, uh, and I know this past week you were on the track stars uh, show. So everything good, good there. Were you excited to be a part of that? Yeah, man. It's always a blessing to, to chop it up with them, man. I always seem to have, um, some of the best best conversations um, with them, and you know, 
uh, it's always good to just kind of flow, you know what I mean? And just, you know, um, and you, you, seem, you seem to have the same type of energy, man. It's just, it's not all stagey. It's just kind of let it go with the flow, man. So it, it, it was a blessing uh, to be on there last week. Yeah, Trackstars has been a huge inspiration for me. Uh, I probably never would have started. I would have even never known a podcast that hadn't have been for Trackstars. Well, I don't know if I would have ever known about it at this point, but they were my introduction into podcast and, and Twitter. Uh, you know, <laughs> so they, they introduced me to a lot of things, but, uh, but yeah, definitely they've inspired a lot of people to start podcasts and all sorts of stuff. So it's been incredible. And, um, so speaking of inspiration, man, I, I'd love for people to kind of hear your story a little bit, um, kind of how you got into doing what you do with music and, and video and film and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, man, if you would just kind of share your backstory a little bit so people can find out more about Ryan Lamar. Yeah, no problem, man. So, you know, I, I I've been doing music um, since I was probably in fourth grade, you know, before I even picked up a camera. And, you know, I mean, I was that kid sitting in front of the TV waiting for a Michael Jackson music video to premiere, you know, <laughs> watching the countdown, you know, and then ready to talk about it at school tomorrow, you know. Um, and I remember the way that those music videos and his music kind of made me feel and you know and and listening to you know dr dre's a chronic and and what andre harrell god rest his soul and diddy were doing with uptown and just being involved with the fusion of things that were going on you know in the late in the late 80s you know and 90s um and wanting to create not even knowing that i wanted to create but just kind of knowing something deep down inside that, that, you know, I just wanted to do that. And so by default, I just um, started to gravitate towards just visual stuff, you know, to tell stories. Because I was, at the root of it, I'm a storyteller. You know, the mediums that I tell stories through are music or film, right? But right. At, at the root of it, I'm, I'm, I'm just a storyteller. Um, and, you know, so I thought I was going to play basketball. You know, you know, I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna, you know, do the LeBron thing, man. You know, and I'm only six one, so, and I was playing, I was, I was a small forward, at six one. That did not happen. Right. <laughs> so, and uh, I ended up taking, um, I never forget this. I ended up taking uh, a broadcasting class my junior, year, my junior year, right? Um, high school or college? High, high school. So, okay. you know, a, lot, a lot of filmmakers, you know, say like, oh, yeah, I came out the womb with a camera. I didn't come out the womb with a camera. <laughs> um, I was going to be in the NBA, and that's what I was going to do. Maybe I was going to uh, swim in the Olympics. Those are the two things that I was going to do. And um, I picked up uh, broadcasting. But actually, the first semester of broadcasting uh, was radio. And I wasn't feeling radio. Like, I just I was like, ah, I'm not feeling this. Um, no offense, Ryan. I mean, uh, Ryan Moore. <laughs> no, yeah. No, uh, uh, I, I just I wasn't feeling it. But the second semester was uh, was TV was TV, not even some just TV broadcast. And the first project was to do a music video. Oh, okay. And so I remember that and the music video was going to get entered into a contest in Chicago for um for high school. So I ended up taking uh, I ended up taking one of my songs that I was just randomly working on and turning it into an actual music video because I was like, oh, I got a kick 
camera. I got I, it's videos garbage, right? But it was the first time <laughs> I got to do a video, and I was running all around Chicago and everything like that. And I I submitted it in. Now it said it was a music video competition, so everybody else was doing visuals to music. I was the only one that turned in an actual music video where the mouth was opening and lip singing and everything like that. But I thought that's what it was for, like music video. And I ended up winning the contest and I ended up catch, getting the bug immediately. <laughs> and then from that, man, it just, I just was always filming stuff. Like I was always, you know, you know, um, taking the camera out on weekends. Nobody else was taking the camera. I was just always just filming something. And then, you know, back in the, back in the day, I guess I say that now, back in the day, they used to edit on these things called Casablanca uh, machines. And, you know, where a render would take, like, I remember re trying to render one thing and it would take like two days, you know, mm -hmm. just for render. And uh, I was sitting What's there, render? Oh, rendering, like, uh, basically when, when you take an effect and it take that's the time it takes to actually, um, for the, for the effect to, to, to finish, to materialize, okay. you know, okay. render, you know, um, uh, you see these special effects, you know, like in Avengers and stuff where a car blows up, you know, that effect had to render, um, or they just blew it up, but I doubt they blew it up nowadays. <laughs> so, so, so long story short, uh, I had again. I had planned on playing basketball, and I was looking at a couple of schools, Division Three. I'll tell you where my where my career was going <laughs> in basketball, and uh, I actually uh, submitted to a to a school called Columbia College in Chicago, not the New York, but Columbia College, Chicago. And it was at the time it was the largest film school in the country, um, and I just I got into the school. Um, and, and for, and for the record, it had an open admission. <laughs> so if everybody listened out, oh, wow, I got into Columbia, like that, it was, it was open admissions. Um, and, uh, went there and I was on cloud nine for like the first day. First day. The first day. <laughs> and then I realized that at the time, see, at the time film school, that was the proper term for it. They should call it video school or, or you know digital school now because students don't learn on film anymore unless right. it's like a prestigious prestigious school that just wants to really keep up with that type of curriculum and so i um found out very quickly that film had to do with a lot of math had to mm -hmm. do with a lot of math any shot you wanted to do anything you wanted to capture you had to measure it with your light meter and you had to basically add, subtract, divide, everything. No matter where you went, so there was some algebra, algebra equations when it came to developing the film. Like you could not run away from math. And I was, and I was not good at math at the time. And I was like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. And you couldn't do, you couldn't get into directing class until three years in. So none of the none of the fun classes. You had to like learn the aesthetics of film first, like really yeah. understand. And I was not feeling that. Um, so by the end of the year, I was ready to drop out. Mm. Um, I was ready to give up. I used to, I used to have that in me. Give up, you know. Used to. And uh, I remember sitting on a bus. Stop me if I'm getting too long. Um, I remember sitting on a bus and kind of speaking to God. And and well, 
I'm speaking to myself, or later I found out I was talking to God. You know, at this time I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And um, I remember just being like, I need a son, something, right? And there was this mag, there was this newspaper at the time called the Red Eye, which is similar to like the Onion, something like that. Y'all might have something like that. Who's listening? Um, and Bernie Mac was giving auditions for his movie Mister Three Thousand. And um, I never forget this because I didn't know nothing about what an extra was. I didn't know what a, really what an audition was, but you could have told me that I wasn't gonna be in the movie. And so I was excited. I'm telling everybody I'm about to be in this Bernie Mac movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the high aspirations. Yeah, right. And, and I, no, 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 no type of acting experience. I'm about to be in this Bernie Mac movie. And the auditions were in Milwaukee. I get to Milwaukee. It's being held at the Bure, at the Bure, at the Burr Stadium, um, big baseball stadium uh, in the heart of Milwaukee. And it's hundreds of people standing in line. And I'm like, okay, this is the audition. It's a cattle call. For anybody that doesn't know what a cattle call is, it's where they wrangle up a large amount of people to basically cattle in to be extras for a large scene. So, again, I don't know nothing about nothing. I get to the front of the line. The lady's like, let me see uh, your headshot. You know, and I had got some professional headshots taken from my dad's friend. Like, I was, man, I, you could tell me it wasn't going to be in this movie. She takes one look at me, grabs my headshot, and she's like, thank you. We'll call you if you need I'm like, Oh well, I guess that's my sign. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this film thing. And I have forgotten about it. You know, it's summertime. A week and a half uh, goes by, and I get a random call from my landline. I should tell you how long it, it, it was ago. <laughs> and I call on my landline, and she's like, you know, Mr. Lamar, are you available um, to come and be a part of a baseball scene? You know, um, we'd like you to be uh, one of the extras in the crowd. And I was like, yes, I'm there. I get there, first day, never been on a set before. I see lights, cameras. I see Bernie Mac, J. Anthony Brown. I'm seeing people from The Sopranos, Angela Bassett. Like, I'm just seeing first time, you know, I'm getting starstruck. I'm nervous. You know, I don't get starstruck anymore. But look, I was like 21. I'm like, I'm, you know. And so for the first couple of days, I was all in, man. Um, but then I found myself getting bored. You know, I found myself being like, all right, this is, we sitting out here for 14 hours, you know what I mean, doing the wave, you know, in the sun, you know, the sun's always hidden, there's no shade at the stadium, and I'm like, this is not what I want to do, right? I used to have that in me, like that, I don't want to do this, you know what I mean? And I remember uh, uh, there was a key set PA, that's basically the head, like one of the head assistants, um, you know, of, for the director and stuff. She was assigned to our side. And I told her, I said, I want to do what you do. You know, can I shadow you? And she looked at me. She was like, can you shadow? I said, can I shadow you? I'm a filmmaker. Right? But I just, like, I said it. Right, right. I'm like, I go to film school, whatever. And she's like, do you really? I was like, yeah, I go to film school. She's like, she looked at me for a little bit, and she was like, meet me meet me at lunch, uh, in the lunch, at the, at the, at the table um, at lunch tomorrow. Bring me your resume. I didn't have a resume. I just started thinking about <laughs> everything that's in that was being filmed at the time in Chicago. So I got barbershop on my resume, 
Batman Begins, you know, <laughs> just anything that I thought was filmed, you know, Road to Perdition, a Tom Hanks movie, you know, uh, later she would tell me that uh, she knew that I, I just completely just fabricated that whole thing. Um, and so I gave, I, I, I met her at lunch the next day and I get in a golf cart and she takes me to the parking lot where it's just, you know, 50 trailers just all stacked around, you know, the parking lot of the Brewer Stadium. And she takes me into this one trailer. Never forget this. Um, this woman opens the trailer. Her name is Rhonda Gerthard. And she's the second AD. Second AD is basically the person who creates the schedule and is is really the in charge of um, the time of what the, what the first AD is dictating on set. And so, long story short, Disney at the time had went through, uh, had had gotten themselves into French hour days. French hour days are basically where they don't break because they need to get back on schedule uh, because they're going over budget. And so they don't break. And so basically they needed to hire glorified Raiders. So I just lucked up. Later I will call that I got blessed. Right, right. You know, that they just needed people to, essentially the crew was 500 people. So... They needed people to take the orders for breakfast. By the time breakfast was over, it'd be time to take the lunch orders. By the time lunch is over, time to take dinner. By the time it was dinner, time to take second meal. And they weren't breaking. They were just filming the entire time. Right. And so I did that for two weeks. And when the two weeks were over, got paid, by the way. And when the two weeks were over, they were going to um, uh, New Orleans. Because that's where, if you've seen the film, Mr. 3000, that's where the majority of Angela Bassett scenes take place. And so I went into the trailer and I said, Rhonda, um, I know y'all going to New Orleans and I didn't get my credentials. And I was supposed to be done that day. And she laughed. And, I, and she said, she looked at me and she said, go, go, I forgot the guy's name, but go to his trailer. He'll give you some credentials. Tell him, tell him I said that, that we're going to bring you on as a non-local to New Orleans. And I ended up working on that movie for the next two months and couldn't wait uh, to go to L.A. And just, I'm full cool. I'm dropping out of school. Like, this was my sign. I'm missing the sign. But I'm like, this is my sign. <laughs> this was my sign. I just to drop out. And at the rap party, Bernie um, was, in, was going into his second season of Bernie Maxson. And so he brought back... Um, um, a lot of the essential crew back to back to the show that season. Uh, Rhonda and them being one of them, and uh, I was like, cool. And by the time I had befriended, I had befriended Bernie. Bernie was took to me because I was from Chicago, from the South Side, and I was like, man, I'm going to L.A. I told him that, and he was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you got to finish school. And I was like, man, you're gonna do the hallmark, <laughs> give me the hallmark speech, man. It's our school. Uh, you finish school and you look me up when you get to LA. And so that was my motivation to finish. Right. But I didn't have his number and we we got out, we, we lost touch, right? Three years go by, four years go by. Uh, Columbia has this thing called semester in LA. And semester in LA is where they do an exit class where you learn. The class is basically set up for you to get internship in LA. And so... I'm not thinking about Bernie Mac, right? Not that I'm like hating on him or anything. I just, it's, it's, that conversation just came and gone out of my head, right? I'm not going to give you the, 
the Disney story where I'm like, if that was my motivation to get to LA, right. I, I had that that just fueled me just to stay, right? And I get to LA, first day there, and semester in LA is at CBS Bradford. I'm walking to my class. The classes were in bungalows. A lot of the shows still are in bungalows where like the production offices, their bungalows, these kind of makeshift trailers. And Bernie Mac, I, I walked past the lot and the Bernie Mac show is in say Bungalow 17. And Semester in LA is in Bungalow 23. So I passed right by the Bernie Mac show. I see the sign. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Me. I didn't even know the Bernie Mac show was here. And some said, just walk in. I walked in. It's a lady sitting at a desk. And I'm like, uh, hey, Rhonda, does Rhonda work? Rhonda work from there? And this had been three years, three, four years since, you know, I worked on the movie. It's 2003 was when we worked on the movie. This is 2005, the fall of 2005. And she looks at me, you know, it's this, this black kid, baggy pants and a do-rag, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that time frame, you know. And yeah, he, he works here. I said, tell her Ryan's here. And so she walkies Rhonda, and you hear her say, yeah, this is my name, Ryan's here for you. And she's like, what? And maybe 15 minutes pass by, here comes Rhonda on a golf cart. You know, and she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I tell her why I'm there, and she's like, Bernie's going to love to see you. So she takes me to his trailer, and at the time, Malcolm in the Middle was being filmed on the third floor, and uh, on the third level, and that 70s show was being filmed on the basement level. Oh and wow! I filmed right on on the first floor, and as as they take me past, I see uh, Wil, Wil, Wilmer Vladarama like walking his dog, like talking with Ashton. I'm just like, I'm like, yo, that's the that's the dudes from that '70s show. <laughs> the best, the, that's the oldest brother from Malcolm in the Middle. Like I'm just like, it's crazy. First time I'm um seeing kind of how that all that works. Takes me to the, takes me to his dressing room, and Bernie's like, shot town. And I, he's like, what you doing here? So I tell him why I'm there. And he looks at Ron, he's like, can we get him a gig? And she was like, yeah, we can get him a job. And first day of me being in L.A., I had a job on the Bernie Mac show. I ended up working on that for three seasons. Grew in that, you know, learned a lot from, learned a lot from that, understood the functions of TV. You know, from that, I went on to do America's Got Talent. Uh, first season of America's Got Talent. Um I did. Uh, uh, I worked on Apprentice season six. I worked with. I worked with President. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your resume, Lord. To get shot down. It's funny. It's. I. I always try to take it off of IMDb, and it always gets put back up there. But, um, you know, and I just. I just learned. Um, one thing I learned from Bernie is to be a sponge at all times. Uh, yeah. Learn 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 and and you know and he always said you're not ready you know when you're ready you know right. when you're ready um but you're not ready right now you need to learn you, you need to go you need to go out and get, and get as much work as possible in as much different fields as possible so i just did everything from catering to crafty to transportation you know to working in the pr firms at pmk you know for a year and a half you know, you know, on one of the Kardashians lines in Vegas, like just learning any anything and everything that I could learn 
um, all while doing music as my escape every year. I think I was doing, I was in the studio working on music this entire time. And I got, I got caught up in making money. I got mm. caught up in, you know, being in LA, you know, and parties and, you know, being a kid from Chicago and then being exposed to just celebrities and black Hollywood, and white parties and all this stuff like that. And I, I went into a spiral and not to mention was making money that I'd never made before, never knew how to save it, you know, properly. And just got onto this, this tornado and ended up waking up homeless in the streets of Van Nuys, you know, and asking myself, how in the heck did I get here? You know, like I had, a job I I landed and in eight hours I had a job on a Bernie Mac show. I had been working and making good money, you know. Um at the time I had, you know, a nice house and I was not saving my money. You know, I can't blame it on drugs. I can't blame it on alcohol. None of that, you know. Um So it was just illiteracy. Literacy. I just I didn't have I, mean, I didn't have my first drink when I was twenty six. Like mm. you, you know, like um, and then, I, you know, I've only, I've only been drunk one time in my life. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Right. And I didn't. Right. And, but so I had to know how I had the, I had the, the discipline, right. In certain areas and, but not in other areas. I just didn't, um, I didn't manage my time. Right. I took on too much work and then ended up, um, uh, over promising and under, and under delivering in a lot of areas. So you burn bridges that way. When you take on too many projects, you know, it's not, it's not quantity over quality, but I used to, I used to practice that. Mm. And so I found myself, you know, homeless and, you know, ended up having to uh, get side jobs just to be able to rent a U-Haul van to be able to have some type of shelter um, while I was trying to get back on my feet. And I, um, and 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 I and I, I that could be a whole podcast in itself of getting off the streets, but I'll say this: um, I ended up working for as a brand ambassador for a company called Fusion, and um, at the time they were um, just getting the Surface Pro was coming out, the first version, the first model of Surface Pro, and our job was just to take the we just take the Surface Pros, put them in the hands of soccer fans at the Home Depot Center just to test them and get their ideas on it and uh i remember that i was so good at selling the idea of them that people would want to buy them um and so i would end up selling them not on those shady stuff like i would be like hey i would go to my brand leader and say someone wants to buy it and they would purchase it and that was what you're supposed to do but i was like yo they want to spend the money i don't know what you want me to do and so i ended up selling like 50 one day and it caught the attention of Surface Pro and like the the people that were trying to market it. And like, who's well, this kid out there selling these Surface Pros? So they ended up giving me a lead position as a lead brand ambassador. And so you know they were I I was I mean it sounds like a dope title, but it just afforded me to move out the U-Haul van. Right. <laughs> so you know, but you know it was it was humbling. That whole that whole season was humbling. Because uh, I was I was homeless for two years, you know, and wow. I remember being at the at the Home Depot Center on Fourth of July, 
and this is like the changing point in my life. Um, there was a doctor who walked up to me. I'm talking to him about, you know, the Surface Pro. And in the middle of me pitching, he said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a brand ambassador. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, but what do you, like, what What do you do? You, it's not a brand ambassador. And uh, so I told him, you know, about being a filmmaker at, at a time in my life and everything. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, uh, I lost my, my wife and my daughter uh, to a car accident. And it completely um, derailed me. And I lost my practice as a physician. And I found myself um, on a couch in my mom's house, you know, just utterly depressed. And two years go by and my mom comes to me. She said, you have to get out the house. Not leave the house, not, but you got to just go do something. I need you to start to get back, get, get your life back in order. And he decides to just go out for a drive. And he finds himself downtown LA. It's Skid Row. And he sees these homeless, uh, the homeless population. If you've been to LA, seen Skid Row, it's been to Tent City, then you understand what that is. And he just found himself walking through the streets and found out that there was a lot of people there that needed some medical attention. Maybe some people had cuts, bruises, some people needed, you know, um, medicine, just like little things like that. And so he got the idea to go back to his mom's, get his doctor bag and go back into the streets and start to at least help them. Um, and he befriended a woman who kind of had the same type of heart, but hers was more cooking and like feeding them and not like a soup kitchen, but just like going and bringing food to them and just fellowshipping with them. And so they ended up starting to do it together where she would feed and he would help, you know, and, 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 and help them and, and check, do checks on them. This got the attention of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor. Oh, wow. <laughs> they did a spotlight on him and it did so well. They ended up giving him a grant to open up his first hospital um, in that area. And at the time they were building up these things called hotels, not the hotel, you know, but the hotels where, the government was giving people in that area basically money to move into these hotels so that they could at least get off the street and at least start to assist them in certain in certain areas of their life to hope perfectly help them get back to you know society societal living in in some form or fashion and so they started to design and build these like small little hospitals for them as well and he started running them ended up becoming the most successful um uh doctor in his field for that brand of you know um hospitality and medical practice in in that area uh and he's telling me this story and then he says and he's and he, and he points to another woman um that a little bit off she's like sitting on the grass because they they tailgate at the at home depot center um and she's sitting on the grass next to this stroller and she said that woman right there is the woman that i met you know, who was feeding the homeless. I married her, and that's our son in the stroller. Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't know you from anything, but I'm telling you that this is this is your moment to get off the couch because I feel that you have something in you. And he's like, and I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know how you got here, but this is at the end. And I remember just like bawling, right? And like... But this is why you're working. This is why I'm working. So you weren't even sitting over on the side doing nothing. You were working and he told you to get off the couch. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember balling, and I remember like for the first time, kind of I, I would understand it later, but like God speaking to me, how God speaks through through people when you need it sometimes to hear when you're not hearing His voice. And I, it was just like a giant wake up call. And he said, whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, you're not doing it, you know? Um, and I, I, I never got his name. I never, I don't know. I don't know. I never, I just, I never forget that. And I remember sitting on the bus, um, going back from, you know, on the bus from Downey going back, um, to, to the San Fernando Valley. And again, it was the 4th of July. And I, I swear it feels like a movie. Because in California, you can't, they don't, on 4th of July, they don't have like the fireworks, fireworks that like you might have in other states because of the, you know, the law, great fires, forest fires and stuff like that. Right. Um, brush fires, not forest fires, brush fires. And so they can buy like the, the, the store bought um, fireworks or whatever. And so we were going through some of the hood and they were lighting fires and it was hitting the bus. It's just like it's sparking the plastic on the, on the windows, right? And some just hit me, and I opened up out a notebook, and I just started writing down some ideas of a movie. Um, and it's a movie called Restored Me. And I got an idea to try to find some people that might want to put money into uh, movies, just like a faith-based movie, right? Like nothing crazy, just like a faith-based movie. Um, and we could shoot it on the weekends. Like, you know what I mean? That's where my mind was. My, my, my mind was not thinking big. I was just like, maybe shoot a movie on the weekend, maybe take a spot, you know, at least somebody give like two, three thousand dollars, like, and we shoot it over the weekends for like eight, nine weeks, whatever. I called somebody and at the time, you know, he said, look, I think I might know somebody that wants to invest in faith-based movies. He just came into some money. I didn't know that that guy he was talking about was a guy named Fred Carlisle and he had just lost his wife and he had five boys and a very large um, insurance policy. And I could talk about this because he talks, he uses part of his testimony and he had been filling that hole of depression with money and monetary things. And I met him when he was about to basically throw the rest of it away. And he said, uh, never forget this. I met him on Halloween, and he originally had just met me on Halloween to be nice to me, to, to hear me out because of the person that introduced me to him. And but he was going to use Halloween as an excuse to go take his kids trick or treating. Be like, okay, and it was going to be like a fifteen minute meeting at Starbucks. We ended up closing down Starbucks because I came prepared. I had, <laughs> I had a suit on. <laughs> I had a. I had a I had a marketing plan like I, I don't dress in suits no more when I go pitch but <laughs> I, I, I was I was ready and it was he, he was so over the pitch was so overwhelming to him he needed time to actually process it because he wasn't expecting that big of a pitch and so right. I didn't begin to December thirty first New Year's Eve and I meet him and he says he tells me about wife he tells me about you know, everything that, that was not aware of. And he writes me a check for the entire thing to the movie. And we, like, that's December 31st. By February, we're shooting that movie. And I'm on set with Malik Yoba and Bill Duke, Gary Owen, Nafisa Williams, who's in Black Lightning now, just like, 
Casper, smart. Like I'm, I'm sitting there, right? And um, in this zone, and I'm shooting this movie. The movie comes out. It gets limited release. It gets picked up by Gravitas, and then from that, six months later, we're talking about Canal Street, a script that we had written in college, a script that. I had worked on on the Bernie Mac show, a script that, you know, I had let Bernie read, you know what I mean? He had given us notes. And six months into that, we're, we're filming that movie, you know? And that movie, you know, is an even bigger cast. It's an even bigger thing. That movie, you know, gets picked up by Will Smith, you know, and his family, and you know, and I'm like, and I feel like, I feel like, the roller coaster from being homeless. No, the roller coaster from getting to LA to going through all that to being homeless to the conversation at the Home Depot Center to writing in that notebook to doing Restore Me to doing then Canal Street. I remember sitting at the premiere in Hollywood watching it and stepping outside and just like sitting down and being like, I finally got off the roller coaster ride, right? And I like, and I finally got out of that that season of all of that that I put myself in when I like ten years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was in that because you put yourself in situations and you you make a mistake. You know, and I and I always you know when mistake comes wisdom. Sometimes you can make a mistake that can derail you for ten years. You you know, and I. I found, you know, myself kind of finally waking up out of that slumber that I had put myself in and be like, well, I'm never doing that again. Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, and, you know, that is my long-winded answer of how I got into film. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I obviously, there's like 5,000 questions that can stem from all that. But, uh, but one of the things that, you know, I think people listening to this and probably even everyday people who don't shoot film. So whenever you got the first, uh, the, the funding for restored me, is there like, is there a contract that says you have to provide a certain amount back to him, like his return on investment, or is it, how, how does that uh, relationship work? Absolutely, man. It's, it goes down. I mean, obviously points and percentages are different, but end of the day, um, well, a good contract anyways, um, somebody invests $50 into um, a project, they should be getting their, their $50 back plus a 10%, you know, or 12% return, you know. So if they're getting $50 back, maybe they're getting, you know, maybe they're getting $20 on top of that $50, gotcha. you know, gotcha. something like that. You know, then you have people that are just angel invest that don't that don't invest um, to get any monetary gain. It's, um, you know, they, they just want to basically donate or bless you. I've never had an investor like that <laughs> somewhere. Somebody's, you know, you know, people like, I think sometimes they run a joke. It's like, Oh, rich uncle somewhere, you know, um, think about your parents have, uh, angel invested your entire life, right, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you know, also, you know, you can have angel investors that invest that want percentage back, but they don't want their name on it. You yeah, know, sure. want to like privately invest in you. We had some of those on canal street. Um, but restored me was, you know, two people that really believed in the vision um, and wanted to get some faith-based content out there that was a little bit more real. Um, and by real, 
I, I don't knock any of the you know, Arm brothers, you know, um, what Devon Franklin and Bishop Jakes have been able to do with the heaven is for real, you know, um, and those movies. And like, people always ask me like, why are those movies so cheesy? And that's like, that's not the, you're not asking the right question because they're not cheesy. They just don't speak to you. But that would be like saying the, the whole Christian body is just like the left arm. That's it. But if you think about your body, there's eyes, nose, ears, mouth, every, you know, all these different parts of, the, of your body. And it's the same thing in the Christian body. Like there's, there are different people in the body. And so different, different ministries work for different people. You know, everybody doesn't attend the same church, you know, in the entire world. There's different, there's different types of churches, different types of people that God speaks to. And I said, the real question is, is why haven't they made anything for this part of the body yet? And because the Armand brothers are good at what they do, right? They know how to speak to their demographic that God has them speak to. They do very well. They do very well at that. So I, you know, so why they invested in Restored Me, that first project, because they said, this is something that we could get behind because it's, it's speaking to us. You know, when you see Canal Street, People say, oh, well, you know, Canal Street is dope because it's not really a faith-based movie. It could be for anybody. And I'm like, no, nah, it is a faith-based movie. Like, we don't hide behind that. It's just speaking to, you know, people that I know that are growing up in the south side of Chicago right now who don't know how they're going to pay their rent right now, you know, during all this, you know, that's going on with COVID and are believers. And they, they, they're they unemployed right now. They got furloughed. And, you know, and they still find their faith in God. They still, you know, thank God for waking them up. They still thank God for what they have. I need to speak to those people, you know, you know, that, you know, like, and those, and and how do you find your faith even when things are going bad? You know, and so that's, that's, that's kind of the ministry that we tell when it comes to film and it comes to music. And, you know, from an investment standpoint, we just found people, we just found believers that wanted to tell those stories. Gotcha. So too gritty for some. Yeah. And I was, it's, it's interesting because, you know, people have a a preconceived notion on what a faith-based movie is supposed to look like. And I think that's, you know, it's tough because it, you know, when you, like if you were to take the Bible, and you were to look at it and you say, okay, a Bible story is supposed to look like X. But when you read the different stories in the Bible, they're all completely different. Um, they're all infused with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, you, you read the story of Ruth and you read the story of David. You read the story of Paul, Peter. They're all different. And, um, and so I think, you know, it's, it's extremely important to have different uh, perspectives of life. And, uh, and so, so you do call Canal Street a faith-based film? Yeah. Well, we've coined the term faith-driven. Okay. Um, okay. Um, because at the end of our movies, you know, we want you to be, we want to drive you to do something with your faith. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, gotcha. but, you know, it's still rooted under faith-based. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We don't hide behind it. We don't say, you know, obviously the, the, this film is for everybody, just like, you know, the word is for everybody. Um, but, you know, I am a Christian filmmaker, you know, like people are like, oh, don't let them put you in a box. You're going to be in some box 
I'm not sure <laughs> they're going to call me a black filmmaker. I am black. You know, I don't, but you know, I, I'd rather be um, a Christian filmmaker, you know, but it, there's going to be some box that you're going to find yourself in. So I'd rather create the box that you're going to put me in anyway than mm-hmm. let you to put me in the box. So put yourself in a box. Yeah. And, and, and no, I'm not saying, you know, like, do I agree in the whole box thing, but I am a Christian filmmaker. You know, that's what I am. <laughs> so, you know, um, but it doesn't mean that I don't watch, you know, uh, Spike Lee, you know, right, or I'm not right. a student of P.T. Anderson or Robert Rodriguez, or John Singleton, like I, you know, or I don't, I, I, I watch, I'm a student. So what are some of the, um, what are some of the, well, I'll say, how did you create the relationship with uh, Bishop Barnes? Bishop Garns. Garns. Um, I met Bishop Garns um, during the promotion of Restored Me, Uh, the film I was telling you about. I just ended up speaking um, um, and sharing the movie at one of the churches he was affiliated with. Um, And we ended up meeting through a mutual friend of mine. Uh, And Bishop was just trying to get into um, expanding his ministry into media. And you know, we met for we met in LA for supposed to be a thirty minute meeting, and you know, seven years later, we're business partners and been working together ever since. And it just worked for us. Um, Bishop Gaunt taught me about accountability. You know, if you're the if you are if you are the if you are the LeBron James or the Michael Jordan or whoever's your player, um, <laughs> if you are that person on your team. And there's nobody else around you that is better than you um, or excels in certain areas. You won't ever really excel to where you're supposed to go um, in film and in media. And maybe you can utilize that for other areas of your life. Um, But for me, this worked for me. This is disclaimer. This worked for me. Um, I had to I had to surround myself with people that were better than me, you know, people that were better men, you know, of God, that were better stewards with their time and their money, that were business oriented, kingdom business oriented. Um, And you're starting five, like I had to, like, oh, you always hear it, like, who's on your starting five? Right. Right. And I didn't have anybody but me on my starting five, five me's on my starting five. And then my bed was full of people that I shouldn't have been around anyway. And so I had to delete all those people and create my starting five. Bishop Garns was one of the people that um, became part of my starting five and it started to, to surround accountability. Accountability is so important. Uh, it is can sometimes can be life or death. You need people in your corner that can be, that you're accountable to, that can tell you when you're messing up. Right. You know, um, and so... <laughs> I, I just we met him and then this Lord the Lord just started pouring more people into my into my life and they just started to become part of the team. And I started to realize that I can't do everything myself. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. 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 You, gotta you gotta have somebody that pushes you and challenges you and uh, I tell people all the time you need to have at least one person aside from your spouse, but your spouse included, that can call you out at any point in any time for anything. 
and they have to trust that you're going to allow them to do that. Yes, you can't get mad at them when they tell you. So, so is that your guy? That's one of them. You gotcha. know, that, that's one of them. You know, um, and you know, I always, I always tell people they're like, "Oh, be careful," you know, because before all this, I mean, we was on, we travel a lot. You know, there's a lot of things to do. We're probably in like five, six different cities. You know, I mean, in the same week, but you know. I'd be like, well, how much trouble can I get into? I, I, I travel with two pastors and a bishop, you know, <laughs> and we stay next to each other in hotels. Right, <laughs> so, right. you know, um, but that accountability is so important. Have you encountered any situations um, doing film that, that you had that almost challenged your character in a way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say. Um, professionally speaking, one, you know, I'll speak, I'll talk uh, backwards. Currently now, as the 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 film the filmmaker and the artist that I am, um, we've been challenged by people trying to take advantage, um, both in the church and outside the church, financially. Um, people who who utilize their star power to infiltrate and then you know take advantage um and you know we've been able to kind of use wisdom there's certain things that people have done that before christ i probably would have reacted a whole different way but you know there's a lot of um grace that's practiced now um in the beginning i was a hothead in the beginning like i had a very large temper um and things probably would have went and escalated differently um, had I been afforded where I'm at right now, you know, but I didn't have any of what I had, you know, when I had, when I had any of those qualities that were a part of me and the Lord kind of removed and restored a lot in me. And so, you know, we've practiced a lot of patience with certain things. Um, but I mean, you, you are thrown stuff every day, every day you know, tested every day with your patience, tested every day with um, just people just trying to take advantage of your gifts, you know, um, on a very high level. Uh, but I feel like every kind of test that we've passed as a company, as me as an individual, um, you just like build up an even bigger immunity to like, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Fast money is not good money majority of the time you know if you didn't work for it and somebody's gonna put a bag in your lap be careful be careful with that careful with and be careful where the money's coming from right like know what's connected to your money know who you get married to Mm -hmm. you know because you'd be surprised man there's a lot of different things that are attached to that money or that those people and you don't know how they're working and sometimes when you need money or you, you need a bill paid and you end up taking on a job and then finding out later who you just got involved with, you know, you can't get the money back. <laughs> right. Right. That's the hard thing is, is weighing out those, um, weighing out all those, that the, the facts and the things that are attached to it. And, and like you said, you know, find out who you get married to, like, uh, Money is almost like a marriage agreement. Yes. And divorce is ugly. 
<laughs> you know, and sometimes these these jobs that you take on, you might be married to the person for eight years. Mm. Yeah. So whenever it comes to like like writing and 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 directing, uh, what's what's probably your 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 biggest passion when it comes to filmmaking? I know you said you're a storyteller. Yeah. So is it creating the story and everything? It's creating a story and then putting it together and post. Like in post post production? Yeah. Okay. I, it's funny, the first day of filming, I, I'm I'm synonymous for always saying, like, I can't wait to get the post. Like, bro, you just start <laughs> and like I know but all y'all are be gone. You know what I mean? Everybody has their everybody has their own opinion, obviously, on set. What you should right. be doing what you shouldn't be doing, how that's not going to work, how that is going to work. You have the actors, you have your makeup artists, your fashion designer, your set designer, your, all this. And it's just like, all right, you know, you're just doing this all day, doing this all day. And then uh, you finally get to a place where it's just you and your editor. And then you can make your characters, your story, do whatever you want them to do. And all the ideas you had in your head, man, get to post I'm like, it's editing, man. I'm going to make this do this. I'm going to make this sound like this. Um, that's the, when the real story comes to life. You know, because it's the, you, have, you have three scripts. You have the idea in your head. You have what you shoot. And then you have what you edit. But when editing that's and putting the music and the sound together, that's when you're really creating the book. Right. Okay. Gotcha. You know, that's, that's my favorite part, man. Watching it just kind of all come together, man. Um it is probably my favorite, man. You know, I remember you sitting there and you're looking at these actors that you watched your whole life, you know, and you're like, man, I'm I'm editing the scene with Makai Pfeiffer right now. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Make Makai Pfeiffer move here, move here. It's just like, it's just, it's wild, man. You know, and, and it never, I never get tired of that moment right there where it's like the first time you're sitting there and you're putting them together. It's, it's similar to like the first time that somebody hears like your music that you worked on. You know, and it's finally put together and then it's out and like you get those but like I still get butterflies, man. I still get that positive anxiety like right before I'm about to release something because you don't know. Dang it. Like, am I really that funny? Like, you know, right. is that really going to hit? Is that song like is that song too long? Like everybody said it is, you know, like is are you the wrong? Are you wrong? And then it, and then something comes out and then obviously you can't please everybody. Don't ever try to. It's not gonna work. But you put something out and it's received very well, or you put something out and it's not received well. Then you're like, okay, what do I need to work on? You know, uh, why is it not hitting like I thought it was gonna hit? You know, and you know that's the that's the exciting part. For me. You know, am I gonna get lightning in a bottle or am I gonna have to go back and rework it? Right, right. That's the fun part, man, for me. So. So when it comes to uh, so and and this is going to be more of a, a narrow question just because of the space I'm in with Solomon's Porch and stuff like that. Um, so you did better days where you had kind of CHH infused with kind of superhero qualities. Uh, what would you say are some of your favorite superhero films right now? I like DC movies. Um, I like I like um, I like the story of Batman. Okay. And as a normal man, doesn't have superpowers, you know, but he does extraordinary things. You know, I, I like when it starts to get a little bit too fantastical for me. I'm like, okay, this is a great, you know, but this couldn't happen. Um, right. Batman could happen. 
I mean, it, it, right, right, that long. <laughs> but you know, I like, I like, um, I like, I love the superhero movies and the comic book movies that deal with real people. Like Equalizer was a comic, you know, the mm, yeah. comic. You know, like I, I, I love those type of, of stories that are kind of rooted in reality. Um, not that I don't like Avengers and all that stuff, but it just doesn't. That's not. That's not gonna happen. Not the way that. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, right. So, so in the Avengers, you're more of a Hawkeye type of fan than a Hulk. Yeah. Regular guy that's got a bow and arrow in the middle of all these. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite scenes in Avengers too. Whenever he was talking to Scarlet Witch, and he was like, "Look, I'm just a guy in a bow." And there's monsters and aliens and witches and I'm just a guy with the bow. <laughs> right, right. And and I like and I like I I love that I love those type of uh, you know I love those. Type of, Nick Fury is just a regular guy. Right, right. Yeah, man. So was um so you know you know he's kind of speaking of that going into some of the the musical elements of what you do. So what was the what was the big thing that made you do Better Days? Um, I always had this idea in my head and I could never get it right. I, I had tried the idea before, maybe 10 years ago. The, um, and this is not on them, this is on me. This wasn't ready there creatively. And obviously for a whole another whole bunch of other reasons, I was about to be homeless. But, um, right. yeah, there was a group called Not By Sight um, back in the Bay um, at the time. Uh, transparent, Selah Flows, Rain. Seven Hog Mob, like there was like this whole um, renaissance that was going on in the Bay. West Coast Fire at the time was was like you know doing things, and like that's actually how I started getting into Christian hip hop, um, and was introduced into this whole CHH movement that was going on, um, had been going on, not like it started, you know. And like I watched my words, not that it was, yeah. you know, <laughs> old heads are going to come at you with that statement. <laughs> I never had known about it. Like the only real Christian rapper I'd heard of was like T-Bones, you know what I mean? And it just never really spoke to me. Um, he was probably one of the doper ones that I had heard, but like I was too far gone on the other side. Um, and I just remember singing like, man, if I would have heard some of this stuff when I was like 10, 15, but it didn't exist, right? Because anybody that you're listening to now, your Andes, your Craze, your Bizzles, your Paris career, like whatever, just, you know, you can go down to all of this or whatever. Um, they were bumping their heads. You know what I mean? They were they were in the middle of their testimony, you know, at the time. Like a lot of the millennial right. rappers, you know, were <laughs> messing up at the time, at that time, you know, or just finished and getting their ministry together, you know, so I didn't hear none of that stuff. Or they're my age. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, and so I had always had this idea, like, just like they had been, think about it. Um, let's use, let's use Andy, for example, right? So, no, you know, I'll use a real example. Uh, I went to this, uh, I was, I, I went to go uh, to the, the Reach concert in, uh, in Florida. Um, and at this time I knew, I knew everybody by this time, right? And I went there with my little brother because my little brother just graduated from Full Sail. Shout out to, to Justice. Um, I took him to this concert they were doing in Florida. And I don't even remember the church, but this thing, this was like a basketball stadium. And 
it's packed to the front, right? And I've been to Reach concerts before. Yeah. This is probably the biggest concert I've been to out there. This would feel like I was at a Michael Jackson concert, right? Yeah. And I've been to a Michael Jackson concert back in 87. <laughs> I do remember it. Very little, but I do remember it. And it was massive, right? No alcohol is being served. No drugs are in the sky and they're in the sky, like nothing but people that are sold out for Christ that are coming to worship, right? And it's bananas. And my brother is like looking around, like, what is going on? He's never heard any of these artists before. And I just had another something. I just sit back and I'm just absorbing it on. I'm backstage and I'm watching. Had a conversation with Andy right before he goes on. Right. And he's talking, we're talking about shoes. <laughs> My brother has shoes on. Just talk right, about right, that, right, right. those shoes, right? And normal conversation, like we're just chopping, like we're chopping it up right now. He's like, oh Andy's trying to go on. He's like, I'm not how it drafts or whatever. Puts his ears, his ears in, inner his ears in, and goes on a stage, kills it. Like he wasn't just having a conversation with us. Right? right. Like he wasn't just chopping it up talking about the shoes he couldn't get in Brooklyn. And kills a 30-minute set. I mean, by himself, hopping around, doing Andy fashion, he's back off stage. It's like, man, so rock those shoes. <laughs> That's a superpower right there. Right. Yeah. They're not, you can't name 30 CHH artists right now that the Lord has allowed to affect people that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't CHH artists. I'm saying that there are people that are at a certain level right now that can go to a stadium and draw people and be fishers of men and pull people to worship in a different to worship in an experience like that. That is a superpower. Right. That is, and that is God given, right? And I said that is. That is how I feel about, um, you know, certain people that are given these talents, these gifts, um, if they use it right, because you can use your gift wrong too, you know. There's plenty of examples like that in media. Um, but people that have been given this gift to bring people together, and I said that is what something that I want to do, and I want to show that on screen, and that's what Better Days is about, and is still about. It's about gotcha. normal people that God gave them that, that do extraordinary things, like bring people to Christ, like bring thousands of people to Christ on a random Wednesday night in the middle of Florida, and nobody knows about it. How many people have you talked to where you're like, hey, you heard of like KB before? Like, who? who's KB? You know, who's Bizzle? Like, what do you mean? Like, I remember when uh, and I know it's art. I know this is this is a, an argument depending on who you are or where you, where you sit <laughs> on. But when NF and Chance came out at the same time and NF beat him, right? And I got people in my corner that know Chance and they're like, "Bro, who is this NF dude?" And be like, <laughs> "How do you not know who NF is?" Right, right, right. right. You know he's he's killing. He he's doing bigger than some of your secular artists. But then you have the argument. You know we don't got to go into that. Oh, he's not of this. He's not of that. And that's not my point. My point is that there are people that are doing extraordinary things 
under the radar that people have never heard about that are saving lives every day. Right. And that's what that's what that is. Awesome, man. So I know you've released two videos. Is that right? Three? Three. I ain't even seen the third one, man. Uh just music video? Oh no no. I'm talking about the Better Day series. Oh yes, two, two. Okay, okay. So uh do you know how long that's gonna be? Is it like a I know I know I know you were calling it a series at one point, so um, so the goal is to do one more independently. Okay. okay. And then um, we're going to go to a partner that's heavily interested in it um, to uh, roll out the series. Um, but cool. that's probably going to get back, put put back, push back a little bit, obviously, because everything's going on. Right. So is the, so with that series in particular, are you, are the songs already made and you're making the videos to accompany them? Or do you have the song and the video in mind simultaneously? The ideas, like this, like the story, is all laid out. Okay. And then we then from the story, then I kind of sit back and like, all right, who do we want to be in this episode? And then that song is created around that. Gotcha. Because I was curious because I, you know, I'm a I have a very inquisitive mind. So whenever I see things like that, I'm always asking a hundred a hundred thousand questions. And uh, that was one of, one of those I had. And so uh, let's talk about the, uh, I mean, you got so much going on. We could, we could literally sit here all day long and just talk about stuff. And um, <laughs> which I'm sure with the quarantine, you know, people need something to do. But so you did the relief video and uh, which I really enjoyed for multiple reasons. One, because I'd say like John Gibbs is probably one of my favorite artists, period. And um, I'm the insane guy who says, and I know everybody's going to shoot me for this, who hears it and disagrees with me, which is pretty much everybody. I like I like John Gibbs better than KDOT. I like Soul Rebel better than Good Kid Mad City. Um, and everybody on Twitter thought I was completely insane, but I stand by my statement. Uh, but John Gibbs is a beast. And then uh, Chris Noel, I consider him a brother of mine and not just the typical Christian. Hey, what's up, brother? I mean, like, I really consider him like a brother. And so this this particular song had a very uh, kind of very special place for me. And so what was the uh, you know kind of what was your uh, approach to this song and why you did it? Um, well, you know, release is a part of a bigger project called A Perfect Mess that comes out at the end of this month. And um, you know, A Perfect Mess is is simply put, um, we're a mess, but God is perfect, and through that. Um, he finds perfection, you know, through grace. And that's where the title came from. And, you know, this, the, I've, I've always been like, until it feels right, it's not done. And the album was, was quote unquote done, you know. Um, shout out to, uh, to Amplify and Doc over at Amplify and Empire Distribution for believing in Red Gorilla um, enough to give us a distribution deal, but uh, I was not finished. Right, I need. I was missing something. And Cannon and Deal were in town. I went to their concert. Uh, this was the one they did with uh, Curtis Hoppy was there. Um, Stephen Malcolm, like it was, it was a dope, dope, a dope little um, arsenal they put together. And I was sitting there, and I was, you know, watching, and I said. I need a song that has all this on it. <laughs> like, Cannon, Dill, like, Curtis was bringing, what Steve was bringing, I was like, um, 
And then um, uh, Mandela Ray was there to open up. Like I was like, I've always been a curator, right? No matter if it's film or music or whatever it is, I've always just kind of been a curator. And I can only really do things cinematically. And that's fine. That's my lane, you know, and I'm good. Like every time I try to do something simple, it just becomes something ginormous. And that's fine. I know, I know that's what I do. Um, And I remember hitting up Canon um, and, you know, well, actually my manager hit up Canon's manager. I had known Canon. I met Canon through Canal Street. Um, Shout out to his wife, uh, Ritz, for putting us together and just establishing that. Canon's from Chicago, too. He's from the West Side. And so we kind of just started to establish a little bit of relationship, you know, but make sure you do business properly. I have my manager reach out to Doc, who manages him. And I'm just kind of giving him my idea of what I want to do, right? And I said, I want to put together these songs. He's like, ah. Everybody, everybody first, when they always hear my ideas, is always like, yeah, too many people. There's seven people on relief, including myself. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of, that you just, you just get like, do people can put Canon and Deal on the record? I'm like, so I'm trying to tell a story within this story, of this music. And so I uh, got Canon on the record, and then... We were going to actually work on uh, me and Jack Red. That's that's my writing partner. Um, and then Maji rounds us out. Maji is like the initial sound behind the music. And then we and then we come in and we just a team, man. If you know who, if you know who, uh, you know the the Pharrell and Hugo are, you know, and it's these producing teams that kind of just work together. That's just kind of what we do. It's a happy marriage. And so get Cannon on the record, talking with Doc about it. And he's like, hey, man, you thought, have you thought about Byron? And I'm like, oh, Byron raps, right? And he's like, no, nah, he sings now. Um, and, you know, you should probably get him on. He said, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm trying to make a song about letting your struggles go, whatever you struggle with, whatever your vice is, right? And so that's why, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, everybody's talking about something different that they struggle with. Everybody's not talking about the same thing, but they are, right? Um, some people deal with alcoholism, some people deal with per- per- Percocets and anger, whatever. And so he's like, you should get Byron to do that. That kid writes hooks in his sleep. And I'm right. like, Ego was like, I a whole album together, man. Like, I don't need somebody to write no hook for us. That's what I'm saying in my head. Lord was like, no, did that. Go ahead, go for it. And I remember reading this article that Byron did with Rapzilla about um, just a lot of the rappers that have been dying to like drug overdose and stuff and so i was like all right so he writes it he turns in what you hear the that the hook before the bridge and all that stuff but you hear i left the perks alone like you, you hear that i was like it's dope all right go for it you know and so cannon wrote his verse to that and then um dill put dill on the record and then dill wrote it right and then so i'm like all right this is turning this i've written my verse yet i might just turn it into something I, I hit up Gibbs, because um, Gibbs every now and then is in the mood to do features. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo," and I didn't, I didn't sugarcoat it. I'm like, "These are, I didn't, these are the people that are on the record." I sent him the record. He sent something back, maybe a week later, two weeks later, something like that. And you know, did what you hear Gibbs do, you know, and the song's done, right? The song's done. Didn't mix. Mastered, it's tight. Um, I'm in LA, 
and um, in the studio working on another record that's on the um, that's on the project and some other stuff that we're working on with the uh, artist by the name of Breeze Miles. And I'm just I'm with the because I do I, I work in L.A. and I work in Chicago, kind of have fun in L.A. and then me and Jabari like really get down to the science in Chicago. And um, one of the, the organists um, in, in my engineer that I work with in L.A. Junior, uh, he's the organist you hear on it. He's just playing around in the studio, you know, I'm like, right. dope. And I'm like, dope. And the song's done. I'm like, bro, record that. <laughs> so he's in there, and then I start writing. Um, and my verse was way longer than it is that you hear right now. I just start writing in, in the booth and record my verse. And then I was like, yo, my... And Jabari, man, I, I had another verse <laughs> to the song. They're like, bro, the song is already, like, at the time, it's like three minutes, right? Like, 3.30, you know, that time frame people always try to stay at around. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, now it's four minutes and, like, some change. They're like, all right, cool. So they mix master that. Um, I had to go to Nashville. Go to Nashville. And um, I got to chop it up with Derek, uh, Derek Miner, uh, for the first time, right? And I hadn't met, I hadn't, hadn't really politicked with Byron, but he, you know, nowadays you don't really gotta meet people to get them to send you verses. Right, right. And so I kind of kicked it with them. And uh, so I was on this like Derek Minor high because I was always been a fan of Derek. You know, I love his music and his ministry. And got back to Chicago and I was like, I'm gonna go on Derek's live. Go on Derek's live. Derek is playing the submissions of people that didn't make it for honorable mentions. And again, relief is now done. Five weeks done. <laughs> and I hear this this dude rapping in three different languages. Like I forgot the name of the song. I don't know, but you know, this dude is like going like switch and then he's like rap another language. He's like switch, rap another language. Like switch, rap another language. I'm like, man, who is this dude? Right? I find out, I had to listen and listen and listen. Finally find out, I heard the name, found him out, sent him a DM like 10 minutes after I'm hearing a song as Chris Noel. And I'm like, bro, I got this song <laughs> that you would sound amazing on. I need you to do what you did on this record. And I'm, you know, nobody. I don't say who's on the record. I don't say nothing. You know, not that I'm hiding from just like, I never really been into let me pitch you these names so to get you on it. I want to know if you do do something before you know everybody's on it. I think right, I might have right. said Canon or something, you know, like, but I didn't say deal. I didn't say Gibbs. I didn't say all that stuff. And so Chris, me and Chris go back and forth. I find out that he's also managed uh, by Kevin, you know, and I was just like, and he does his verse in like three days, sends it back to me. And I remember being like, man, this is dope. Um, can you give me some ad libs? You know, and so he he takes it back and he fattens up. I could think he was out of town when he was doing this, so we ended up doing it at a different studio. And then he got back and did it and did some more, did some more texture to it. And I was like, that's it. So I called Jabari again. And I called Mod. I'm like, yo, I got another verse. <laughs> and then like, bro, I'm like, man, this is it though. And so. We're in Chicago, we're adding anything, you know, and I'm always like really 
keen on like who goes here, who goes here, who goes here. I knew Cannon was going to lead off just by the way he starts the verse. Like, it's just a good leadoff verse. And I was just playing, you know, Tetris with the other verses and stuff like that. And I was like, nah, like, I love energy. I love switches. I love just different things that are going on to keep you entertained while you're listening to the music, while you're dissecting the lyrics, while you're doing this. And so Chris, we put in Chris second. And when I heard Chris right there, I called Junior. And I was like, Junior, man, I need you to play... um, I need you to play some Latin vibes because we're going to switch up the beat for a second here. And so we did that. And I remember Jabari was just looking at me like, I trust your vision, man. <laughs> I trust your vision. So we put that in. And then um, I'm like, yo, we need a choir. And he's like, why not? So <laughs> I was a minutes long. Why not bring a choir in? So we, we call in. Um, like four people that, you know, obviously we can do the tricks and make it sound like a choir. And, you know, I said, they said, where do you want it? I said, I want them to just kind of echo what Byron's doing, you know, and they come in and then I'm like, all right, man, door's open now. Let's call a little sharp. Let's have her come in with her team and do some strings, man. strings, some real, orchestra, some real orchestration. So that comes in. And then we have all these pieces on the ground, kind of like a car, a beautiful car with all its pieces and just trying to figure out how to put all the parts together. And that's how Relief came together. And then did you always plan to have uh, the the sermon at the beginning? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I come up with uh, the videos before I come up with the songs. Okay. Um, I, if I can't do, if I can't show something visually, it's not going to be on the album that I'm working on. Just because uh, it goes back to how we started this conversation. Michael Jackson, like, think you name me a, Michael, a song Michael Jackson made that sticks with you that you don't see the video in there. Right, right, right. Name one song. If I say Thriller, what do you see? You know what I mean? If I say Beat It, you see the pool table. You know what I mean? Like, if I say Smooth Criminal, what are you seeing him leaning like Missy Elliott? You know what I mean? Like, you know, can you stand the rain? Like, like there's this, there's just something that goes with that. You know, something that Hype Williams was really good at doing, you know, like, and something that, you know, Michael Jackson, you know, was really good at doing. It's just like creating visual content to go with it. And I'm a storyteller. I always, I'm a storyteller. So I'm going to fuse them together because why wouldn't I? I feel, I feel like it would be a crime, you know, for me to be like, yeah, but you can do that. We shot Relief in four hours, five hours. Oh, oh wow. wow. You know, um, yeah. and it's just like, those are the things that like I love to do. And, you know, and I always say like, I love to stand alongside other people that are killing it in the game too and help to raise the bar. I'm not raising the bar. I'm just helping alongside everybody else raise the bar. You know, John Gonzalez, who's killing it on the music video side, does a lot of stuff for Reach. Like, I, you know, uh, Will Thomas, that's doing a lot of great videos, and a lot of great visual content. Sandra, like, there are a lot of people that are doing amazing content right now. Um, and it wasn't happening 15 years ago. Right. right. You know, and I just love being a part of a part of what's going on and you know so starting off with that sermon 
was important because you're going to have to go dissect everybody's lyrics, right? And you're going to have to go on Genius and read it, but I needed to make sure that you were met in the beginning with the word. Not that right, right. lyrics aren't the word, but I needed to gravitate you because that also sets up what this is. Yeah, and I love that, man. I told, uh, I think I told Chris on our live stream, like that's that's probably my favorite part of the whole entire song. Not that I don't love everybody's verses, but just that straightforward, here it is, here's the message. It don't have to be on beat. You don't have to worry about whether the words, the, the synonyms or the syllables all come together perfectly. It's just, here's the word. And um, and that was Bishop Garns, right? Yep, that was Bishop Garns. And his his voice is is awesome, man. If if he was ever to do a rap song, I'd probably have to check it out. He knows uh, what he, he starts the album. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the uh, uh, the uh, the playlist or the, the 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 track list. You can call it what it is. It feels like a playlist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's twenty songs. Um, so you got a lot of features from what I could tell up here. I see one K few Eshan. Uh, you know, uh, Social Club, Jonathan McReynolds. Uh, you got a wave of artists up here. Kind of reminds me of Dayton's last uh, mixtape, and um, which I, you know, I'm cool with that. Like some people, you know, you have an NF that has zero features, uh, and then you have because I think the only feature he's really had rap feature is Marty from Social Club. This is not um, again. I I grew up. Uh, this is how my age I grew up like one of my favorite albums is Quincy Jones and Duke Jones um, Quincy Jones is an architect um, you look at like uh, DJ DJ Khaled you know but if you listen to any of his interviews you'll hear Quincy Jones mentioned you'll hear Dr. Dre mentioned you know um, I am only assigned to bring unity you know um, I'm not I'm not trying to be a solo artists do that whole dance or whatever um we want to create music whatever that whatever that means whatever happens in the studio whatever we're working on we just want to create good music you know um it's why you see canal street and you see all those actors we you know it's it goes the same practice you know canal street had over 75 actors and had 20 main actors you know um and it had the most random people put together that you would ever, you wouldn't really think would be in a in a movie, let alone a Christian film together. And it's right, the right. same practice. We're going to apply both if it's music or if it's film. Um, and and the question is why not? People need to see blatant representations of unity in the kingdom. Yeah. You know, um, no matter what label or what church you're a part of or whatever, when you see people come together and worship and minister to the community that's powerful and that's what it is i didn't come in a game to be the best lyricist or whatever um just know your lane i think you and chris were on a, on a conversation talking about this you know um know your lane and do and do and, and, and serve in your lane yeah, stay yeah. In your lane you know stay in your lane you, you you can you can strive to be the best lyricist you can strive to be the best singer or you can just, just strive to be the best in that lane like, but just know your lane and own it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. our goal was, at the end of the day, a perfect mess. When you see the cover and we're looking at all those names, right? All those names 
exemplify the body. And then also there's people that are quote unquote not Christian, right? I didn't put that label on. Y'all put that label, right? I never said, did they ever say they don't believe? Did they ever say this? Some people are sitting on the fence, not sure what they want to do, but it's not going to help by telling them they're not something, you know, right. supposed to be loving on them. You know, you'll see people, you know, so that's what it's all about, you know, like, um, you know, and then also there's a lot of ministry on the album. It's tw- there's 20 tracks, but it's only it's only 12 songs. Gotcha. You know, so you know, there's there's um skits, there's different um you know outpourings and testimonies that are wrapped up in the album as well. You know, and so we wanted to create something um mm-hmm. for people to listen to, um to vibe out to, um and just again I just kind of listened to what was what was not necessarily being um, displayed right now, um, sonically. I'm really big on just the sonics and, you know, and just how things are sounding right now. Um, if you listen to Relief, you listen to the actual music of Relief, it kind of stands out. Um, you know, we got this dope R&B record on there with Dayton, you know, that's pretty dope called Distance, you know, and it's it's it you know it's it's a little different than when you've heard where you've heard Dayton go and it was kind of cool when we were working on that record you know just just um complimenting what people have already been doing and and just putting them together if you go on Spotify right now you're gonna listen to a lot of different artists right yeah, yeah. so let's put them all on one album yeah I agree man some of it's gonna be R and B some of it's gonna be gospel some of it's gonna be you know hip hop for the backpackers some of it's gonna be you know, trappy, you know, some of it's, you know what I mean? Some of it's going to have bop, like some of it's going to be pop. And so we put all those sounds on the album. So it is a playlist, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is for all mixtape, you know, um, a playlist, but what was the chronic? <laughs> right, right. I mean, what was that? What is, what, what, what did Khaled just drop? What is that? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, we, we, um, we needed something, we need something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking i'm looking forward to it man uh you know even the the artwork for me uh i think it looks great uh title of it you know like i said the track list and the features and uh you know plus you know i mean you're a dope rapper too <laughs> um I, i've uh you know i've I, always looked I, i'm not really a comment searcher you know right, or, right, right. or anything like that but um i just want to hear the everybody snap right right right, right. Like, you know, like, and I'm not stupid, right? Man, I know Chris body the record, right? He made me open back up the album because the song when it was right. done, you know? Uh, everybody, like, it goes back to we're talking about, um, like, superheroes, right? Everybody has their, their superpower, right? Yeah. You reach out to Dill, right? What is Dill going to give you? Like, I followed his will and turned into Jaden, like, that's a dope line, right? I've never been a metaphor writer. I've never been that, but I've been a lyricist when it comes to that. But I, I love telling stories in my rhymes, you know. Um, and I appreciate that because when you've been doing something for so long and you, you're a fan of the art, I just want to get in where I fit in, man. You know? Right, right, I, right, right. I'm not trying to be the greatest lyricist, but I am trying to be dope at what I do. Gotcha. So as long as I can get that pass, I'm good. Because I don't want to be the dude that you stop listening to on song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
we got this we got this dope record um uh called i live man and like ishan and jerry e black reese mile jtor like it's just like it's just like a a cypher session right and i was on it and i was like yeah it's not for me it's not it's not my song not 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 just not for me like i'm not feeling i love the record record's amazing and i was like yeah i'm gonna have to sit this one out Right, and everybody in the booth, the studio was like, "What? You taking yourself off the record?" I was like, "Yeah, let's take myself off this record." Yeah, I'm not doing justice to this record. <laughs> so <laughs> I was honest with myself, right? And I remember Jack was like, "You really taking yourself off the record?" Like I was like, "Yeah, I'm taking myself off the record." Uh, you know, I do my little ditty, and I do my little talking or whatever, you know. And you'll hear it on the song, but I was All like, right. "Sometimes you also have to know when to to remove yourself to." to that's like for me something I had to learn, and you know, again, it goes back to just wanted to make good, some good music, man, some fun stuff, some some stuff that I felt was missing. Well, I mean, it's like um, the 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 Kanye song with his his new album with the uh, clips. I mean, he wasn't on that, and you know, this yeah, it's like um. And, and I think it's good to uh, it's good to be able to notice. I mean, because I've I've heard that a few times where an artist to have a collaboration of artists on a song on their album and they're not on it. It's it's not common. It's extremely uncommon. But I think it shows a sense of selflessness and elevating others. And uh, you know, so to me, it's a it's a great sign of humility as well. Because it's like, especially if you're on a track with a a lot of great artists and you're like, you know, I'm going to do my best to hold my spot. And, uh, which I mean, it's, it's fun in hip hop and even in Christian hip hop is fun. You know, you don't want it to be bland and, um, you know, you still want to have that, that little bit of competitiveness to keep your, you know, kind of keep your skill level up and things like that. And, uh, so, uh, I, mean, I can't wait, man. Um, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, awesome record. Uh, I mean, you, you already have several songs available for people to listen to, so there's already a taste of it available. Uh, so y'all can go check that out. A perfect mess, Ryan Lamar, and uh, and yeah, man. Before we close this out, man, is there anything that you'd like to say just to give a little bit of last minute inspiration to folks who are listening? Uh, some encouraging words. Don't let what's happening right now. Um, obviously, my heart um, goes out to people that have lost loved ones. People that are in the hospital right now um, fighting for their life. So they do not go unnoticed. Um, the injustice that's going on in America right now is not going unnoticed. Um, I say that also while saying utilize this time to get ahead, whatever it is. Um, some people are in a season of rest while other people are in a season of productivity. Um, but utilize your time wisely. People are saying, well, the world's going to be different. Sometimes different is good. Um, now speaking to my creatives, uh, this is going to be a time where the cre the creative people are going to flourish because they're not going to be able to throw money at it. You're going to have to be creative in this time. Mm -hmm. You know, the industry is not going to stop just because they can't do, uh, for example, movies with big casts and crew. They're going to figure out a way to do it. You have to utilize your creativity because this is when you'll shine. Um, if you're an innovator, be like innovate. Like this is the time right now to shake things up. Don't let uh, 
the, the struggles and the worries of the world right now uh, debilitate you, it can be very debilitating, but utilize this time to get ahead. Utilize this time to really dig deep down inside of yourself and find some inspiration to push. Because if you can push while the world looks this way, imagine what you can do when things get back to, to some sense of, of normalcy. Um, and that's what I'll say, man. Just keep digging down and creating, and you will you you you'll see the payoff. Yeah, man. Well, Ryan, definitely appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, you know, hopefully, it's been encouraging to some folks out there. Uh, just hearing the you know, going from a whole lot of something to 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 down in the dumps to slowly rising back up and seeing where you are today and what kind of a staple you're being right now. Uh, not just in, you know, the CHH community, just in Christian media in general. And, uh, and then I'm sure, you know, to those around you who aren't even involved in media, but, um, definitely appreciate you, man. Looking forward to hearing this album. When does the album drop? Uh, May 29th, May 29th. So that's in eight days. Yes. Eight, eight yes, days. yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. Are you nervous at all, or are you are you are you straight? Oh man, I feel like you know the the, the day I start having butterflies is a day I need to retire and go teach somewhere. That's true. That's true, man. I've always heard like you know, I've heard pastors say, uh, you know, some I've heard some say, you know, every time they get out there to get ready to go preach, they get butterflies every time. It's like it's like Rocky Balboa. Every time he goes to fight, he's scared every time. Man, I'm 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 looking forward to it, man. It's a very transparent album. You know, a lot of humility, a lot of shame, and a lot of grace, man. So I'm just looking forward to the to the world, um, however it's received. You know, I'm fine with it. Um, and just shout out to everybody that's doing amazing work right now. You know, that are, are elevating, man. Shout out to Biz, about to drop a record this week. Shout out to Marty, about to drop an album. Like, just I love Kings, man, putting putting their their best foot forward, man, and keeping Christ first. So, um, just shout out to just Kingdom businessman in minds working right now yeah yeah man i agree all right well y'all make sure you go follow ryan lamar where can they follow you at you can follow me on instagram and facebook at ryan lamar that's r-h-y-n-l-a-m-a-r-r you can follow me on twitter at lamar ryan awesome awesome we well, go check him out looking forward to everything that's going on and uh make sure you check out the films he's been a part of and uh you know check out his imdb uh, that'd be a quick way to find out his works, uh, which we didn't talk about it, but Stranger in Fiction's up there too. So uh, I'm, I need to bring you back on the show for another conversation because we didn't have enough time to get into a lot of stuff. But um, but yeah, man, looking forward to having you back, man. Absolutely, man. Alrighty, that was the interview with Ryan Lamar. Ryan, if you're listening, thank you so much again for doing the interview. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, for anybody out there, let me know what you felt about the interview. Let me know what you learned from it, what you gleaned from it. Use one of those fancy words. But um, I always love hearing the feedback. You know, I got some from the last Eminem Live radio show. And it just lets me know that you're getting the type of information and the type of content that you want, that you enjoy. And so, uh, but I enjoyed that conversation with Ryan. Uh, I look forward to seeing the uh, the continuation of his works in film and in music. Uh, don't forget, he just released his album uh, as of the recording today, A Perfect Mess, 
make sure you go and you, uh, you at least check it out, stream it. Uh, if you really want to support, buy it and you know support in the the best ways that you can and check out canal street and uh so yeah again so thankful for the supporters of the show aaron simpkins jay sandon lt smith you guys rock i appreciate you if anybody else wants to support the show financially you can at patreon.com slash business with bordeaux and uh, that's the way you can contribute monthly i think the the levels up there are one dollar uh, $3, $5 and $10, something like that. So, uh, so, you know, if you want to do that, that's cool. If not, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Jason Bordeaux, number one, just the number one, Jason Bordeaux one. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to hosting another interview for you soon. Uh, I had the next one lined up. I'm excited about it. And so I'm not going to announce it just yet because it hasn't been recorded. But make sure you stay tuned to the show, to the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already done so. And I will see you next time. Always remember, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.